Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Good uh, morning to the podcast listeners. Woo! Come on. Let's give it up for him. Let's all, yeah, come on. Let's give some praise. C3 Tugra, that worship was extravagant. That was awesome. Let me just, let me go through this uh, because it's warm and uh, get your Bibles, take some notes. Uh, please say, get to know um, Chris and Abigail Dyer. Stand up quickly, guys. They're in the house. They're from Silverwater, been married eight weeks. And Emily, she's a, 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 not a national champion. She's an international champion of debating. Don't debate with her. If she asks you to do something, just do it, man. You'll lose the argument every time. She's been overseas. She's been a debater. She's a very, very clever girl. And uh, Chris and Abigail, uh, Chris, uh, Abigail and Emily, bless you. Big warm hugs from us. Get to know them, guys. They're awesome. Chris, by the way, is uh, magnificent and has been magnificent in running children's ministry. And he is presiding and checking out uh, our ministry of children's uh, ministry at the moment to, uh, I-, I hope, take over it and pastor it. And, and he's done that in a really big way down at Silverwater for C3. He hasn't said yes, that's right, but we're prophesying over him. And uh, we're believing that he is a godsend from heaven. Let's do this. You, you know the, the, the premise of the soul detox message, don't you? I think Craig Groeschel mentioned he lived with parents that smoked all the days. And when he left home at the age of 18, he walked into the dorm at the college. And his uh, dorm mate said, Pooh, you stink. He said, what do you mean? He said, man, you smell a cigarette. And, and he didn't notice it. He'd been living in that toxic environment all those years, and he didn't know that he was reeking uh, smoke, and um, and so he realized, and so from that, he gives an analogy that when we walk through life, and and, and when we are influenced by culture, and and when we have awkward, um, you know, confrontations with life and people and stuff, stuff can get on you, and and it can make you toxic, especially in your heart, Bible says, anyway, we'll talk about that in a moment about protecting your heart. Soul detox message. And the the title, subtitle is Jesus is better than materialism. So I'm going to crunch some stuff in here. I'm going to crunch a couple of great, some some great stuff that will help you. Great days. Garth and Jamie, great days. This message is for you. This message is for us. This message is is a blessing. So let's do this. I've said things like, what's nagging away at your soul? What's getting in the way of you becoming the person God created you to be? Uh, let's explore basically how we can neutralize damaging influences and embrace clean living. And we've been trying to do that. We've been explaining. I'm going to talk about a word about consecration a little later on that explains why are we trying to clean our act up? Why are we trying to live a clean life? God is holy, be holy. 
consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do marvelous and wonderful things. I think because we've lived a life of consecration, we've actually been able to fulfill that scripture in Joshua uh, chapter 3, verse 5 thereabouts. It says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow, Luke, Kelly, I'm going to do incredible, marvelous things. Meaning that when you get serious and worship God like we worship, and you, you, you get right, your heart's not divided, you, you know, you're not in this one foot in the world, one foot here, that, that when you focused on God, seeking the kingdom and His righteousness, and uh, He is going to add some incredible dimensions to your life, maybe start a church in Nairobi, who knows? Now, Garth and Jamie are already doing that. <laughs> Toxic behaviors, PowerPoint, please. Um, we talked about our personal lies. These are the things that can toxify your heart. Our personal lies, our false beliefs, our lethal language, our hidden, our hidden sins. We talked about toxic emotions, bitterness, resentment, envy, and comparison, meaning jealousy, envy and jealousy, uh, anger and rage, uh, fear and worry. We talked about toxic influences. And, and last week we talked about materialism, um, I, I, really, I really default a lot to the culture. Why are we being polluted and corrupted? I default to the thing, uh, not the thing, but the whole concept of the culture that is hitting on us through the TV set, through the standard of uh, the standards in our society. That's culture. So, you know, we live in a culture, and if you let yourself be affected totally by that, it's not going to be absolutely great because our culture is uh, devoid of a lot of God, it's separated from God, and, and it's really maybe uh, antsy with God. So culture wars, I explain. Unhealthy people is another toxic influence, and religion. Religion is jumping through lots of hoops, uh, trying to attain approval to God. And I stated, everything that we allow into our minds, our hearts, our lives, and I say it again, everything that we allow into our minds, our hearts, our lives, Everything that we spend our time and money on has an impact on how we, and I love that, everything that we spend our time and money on, meaning how you prioritize your time, your talent, your treasure, before God, what you do with your finances, what you do with your time, what you do with your giftedness, really has an impact on how you grow or don't grow spiritually. Does that make sense? I use the, um, the scripture Proverbs 4.23 uh, in the NIV, NIV. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Some things I come across on Facebook or TV and, and, I, and I get a sense, oh my God. Um, and I'll just turn it off. I'll just, because the Bible says, flee your lustful, uh, youthful, lustful, passions, you know, there's a scripture that says that, remember that was quoted to me when I first got saved, just flee, like, like uh, Joseph, just flee from Potiphar's house, you know, the, that woman was coming after, he just, whoa, I'm out of here, and uh, he ended up in jail, but still, he preserved his, his, his calling, he preserved his life, amen? So, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it, and I love the NCV version be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. I'd just like to say there, right there, that the best thing you can do is be praying, reading the Bible, and getting the mind of Christ. I'll talk about that a little bit later.
So when we hear this, Matthew 24, verse 4, a lot of scripture this morning, but I want to really prove a point. I want to make a case of the days that we're living in and, and our, our direction that we're following, our vision that we have for our church. So Jesus answered, now this is for everyone here that, that is a little bit thinking, oh, these are the last days. Why invest in anything? Why go to Nairobi? Why do it? No. It says in Matthew 24, verse 4, watch out that no one deceives you. A lot of deception out there. People being deluded, people being deceived to, to not know God, not uh, follow the ways of the Lord, uh, but deceived to just live a life that is totally contrary to God. So again, these are the words of Jesus. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. And many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. So I just want to make a point about that word, deceive, deception. 24 verse 6, it says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not alarmed, not troubled. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. I was reading Chuck Pierce, Great Prophetic Ministry, and he talks in this one book, he talks about future wars. And he says, yes, there's physical wars, but there's spiritual wars. And he talks about culture wars of indecency, humanism, secularism, uh, but there's real wars of religion and racism. Uh, there's wars on the inside of us. The battle is in the mind. And you have uh, ministries like Joyce Meyer, who's made that quite clear. There's a battle in the mind. We've got to win that battle in the mind. Wars on the inside. So we're talking about physical wars, but I, w- I want to I wanna say that This scripture is not just talking about physical wars, but I believe it's talking about those cultural wars that are coming at us. Those cultural wars that are coming at us through music videos. If you were to watch any music videos, which you can hardly watch now as a, a, I believe, as a holy person living right for God. And uh, in our day, we had countdown. Countdown. Anyway. Uh, I watched a special on Molly Meldrum and they treat him like an icon. And uh, yeah, he's, you know, I, I like Molly, but, but uh, let's get things in perspective. Um, so that was good. You could watch music. Even my own father would sit down and we watch ABBA and uh, watch some, you know, Little River Band. And, but now, boy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be watching any music show with my dad in the room, trust me. Uh, not really. 1 Peter 1.13, why? Because the Bible says, be holy, be consecrated. 1 Peter 1.13, therefore with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. The best way, again, to get your minds alert and sober and is, is to be in the Bible, praying, turning up to the prayer meetings in church, in the presence of God. Therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance before we were saved, that we didn't know any better. Don't live like that any longer. Don't speak like that. Don't think like that. Don't walk like that. Don't present yourself like that. It's basically saying, you like that? 1.15 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. When Garth got saved, he decided to take on one of the biggest doctrinal um, messages in the Bible, the the, the message of holiness. And he asked, he looked at my uh, books, and I've got 
thousand books. And he said, you got any books on holiness? Yeah, I have, but I hardly even read them. I hardly even understand them. These are, these are written by great theologians, great men of deep understanding. Uh, just, you know, R.C. Sproul and, and people like this. And I'm going, man, you can take that book. Yeah, take that one too. Yeah, see if you can get your teeth around that. Well, he did, and he brought it back to me, and the book was used. It was underlined, highlighted, and, uh, and you know, because he wanted to know the holiness of God. You know, why should we be holy? And how is he holy? I don't know what his beef was, but he, he certainly ran with it and lived a holy life. I know that. Bible says, consecrate yourself. For tomorrow you will do mighty exploits. Joshua 3.5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. And I think this is so prophetic for right now. Don't you, Jules? Everyone, do you believe this is what God's saying right now? You're going to preach that tonight? Along those lines. Fantastic. I thought you were. That's why I prompted you. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I mean, planting a church in Nairobi for me is amazing. Is it not? Is that amazing? That's fantastic. Book of Daniel says it like this. Fear not, says it in the New King James Version, fear not, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I like this prophetic uh, uh, meaning of great exploits. And again, Chuck Pierce says, carrying out great exploits means that we will take the available resources of the little boy's fish and loaves and cause a multiplication to occur. And uh, don't you reckon that's true? And don't you reckon that's been our story all the years? That we've been able to take that which people have given to us out of the goodness of their heart and we've seen it multiply. I remember one of our bookkeepers said, she said, you know, she actually said to me, she said, don't despise the little fish. Don't despise the small offerings. And I just love when I see the youth, by the way, um, putting in their $6. Am I allowed to mention? Just can't. Um, you know, put in, and, and $15 and then, and it starts to go up, $20, and then it starts to go up, 30 And then these guys get with the program from the start, and, and because of that, God sees their heart, and I'm sure they will live extraordinary lives. Great exploits. Jeremiah says, 29, verse 11, you know the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Great scripture. A future and a hope. But Garth and Jamie plans to prosper you in your future and in our hope of Christ. Um, yeah. I did talk about the, uh, the future war and I talked about the spiritual war as opposed to the physical war. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10.3 it does say, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every captive, every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your disobedience is complete. Our war is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Our war is not with this city. Our war 
is with principalities and powers, influences, culture that is contrary to our God. Is that right? And through the word, and now the only way I know how to fight this war against all these propositions of philosophies and opinions, vain imaginations, philosophies, whatever, the only way we can protect ourselves from those things is the Word of God, is the Word of God and prayer. I came to the Wednesday night prayer meeting uh, the other night and uh, there was a few of us and, and uh, we started off in the natural as you do, you know, you're just praying but all of a sudden as we're praying and reading the Word of God, we get the mind of Christ and then it starts to get profound. Pauline says, you know what, I think God's saying this. She brought an amazing revelation in about a burden I had, and I wouldn't have got that anywhere else except the prayer meeting. But as we got off the tarmac into the air cam, man, we were flying in the mind of Christ. And we could see, actually, the predicament we're in and our way forward. And we started to think as Christ would think. We started to interpret our situation with a, a mind of Christ's perspective, which is an amazing thing when you're in a prayer meeting because you can soon run out of words if you're in a prayer meeting and you're trying to pray in the natural. How many scriptures do you know? How much do you want to say in the natural? Not much probably in, in a given prayer meeting because that's a sad day. But when you're in the spirit and you've got altitude and you've got the word elevating you, all of a sudden, man, I'm, I, now we know because we start prayer meetings off like this all the time, in the natural. Then all of a sudden, away we go. Um, the other thing is, is the drama. And uh, just for families and everyone, this is for you, Matthew 24, verse 6. And you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet, it says in New King James Version. Let's not get too worried, too perturbed. Let's not get too dazzled by what's happening. Let's, let's have a future and a hope. There's prosperity in that. And, and we can live with a sense of you know, optimism and, and great hope that we're gonna see great days for our grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, and beyond, amen. So I just wanted to premise that. Again, this is for Garth and Jamie, this scripture that says, in terms of having a future and a hope to do, like church planning and to, you know, to invest, to plant. Isaiah 46 verse 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. My plan shall stand. My purpose shall stand for Nairobi. Amen. For the church, C3 church plant, that is, is standing. It's not going away. And he says, and I will do it for my pleasure. He's made the declaration that there will be a C3 church in Nairobi, and it's going to come to pass. It just takes someone brave enough and, and uh, faithful enough to be able to engage it. The church is arising, and I stated that, Isaiah 2.1, and I'll give you that scripture where it actually says that, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. This is a word about the church arising. 
Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. Do you know they're releasing a movie on Hillsong next year? It's a whole, it's a whole documentary on the phenomena of Hillsong Church. And it's on the big screens in our local cinemas all over the world. That is, come on guys, that is phenomenal. And it's all about, it's all about this, that in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, all the other mountains of fame, fortune, and all the accolades of the world. Forget that, there's a mountain arising. It's the mountain of the Lord. It's the mountain of the house of God. And like last night, people are flocking to it and they're coming to the house of God and we're gonna see a phenomena of Aussies traversing across every other ideology of the world against humanism, about secularism, and they're gonna traverse across that and they're gonna start to come up unto the mountain of the Lord and worship our God as they did last night. They heard prayers, they heard the gospel, they heard the relevance of the church, it was amazing. This is fantastic. Is anything too hard for God? Jerusalem, talking about Jeremiah, uh, I'll back it up. Can I back it up to, I need to point that out, Isaiah 2.3. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Man, I'm just thinking about those people. How did they get here? Workmates, your, all your workmates, your friends and family. And I'd walk up to this lady or man and said, what are you guys doing? Oh, Jamie looks after our child in childcare. I said, so you're here because of that? Yeah, Jamie's awesome. We love Jamie. Anything she's doing, we're in for it. I met so many families, couples like that. Then I met grandmothers. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm the grandmother of the parents of the child that's in Follyfoot childcare that Jamie looks after. And we're here tonight to listen to what Jamie's got to say. I'm going, my goodness, this is awesome. Garth had his friends. And a great-grandmother. My God. Jerusalem was under siege and about to be conquered by the Babylonian forces of King Nebuchadnezzar. The prophet, it's a story, the prophet Jeremiah knew that God was handing over the city uh, to the Babylonians because of their idolatry, their wickedness. God's judgment was, was, uh, was imminent. And uh, at that time, Jeremiah's hearing from the Lord uh, to purchase property in Jerusalem, hang on, God, are you really fair income? You want me to purchase property here, but it's going to be overtaken. It's going to be burnt to a cinder. The property's worth nothing. I'm wasting my money, aren't I? And he has this, you know, like, like everyone, he has this doubt creep in. And he says, you really want me to start a church in Nairobi when Nairobi, you know, it's got crime, it's, you know, it's, it's got wickedness. And, uh, you know, but God says to Jeremiah, no, God says to Garth, um, Yes, Garth, I want you to purchase, I want you to go in there and take ground. I want you to find a place to worship God, to preach the gospel. This was the promise for Jerusalem that Jeremiah had to get used to. And of course, the Babylonians did take over Jerusalem and all God's people were exiled out of Jerusalem. But the story says, the scripture says in Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, this is the word to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? 
So I'm starting to sympathize with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in this place where he's saying, what's the use investing in Nairobi? What's the use investing in, in Jerusalem? The place is going to, be, going to be taken over, burnt to a sin. It's the last days. It's the same deal that was happening back there that is happening right now. That's why the Bible says, yes, there's wars, rumors of wars, spiritual wars, physical wars, but the end is not yet. There's plenty of time to get God's work done, amen? There's plenty of time. It's not time to retract. Jeremiah, Jeremiah could have said, oh, it's not time to buy land, Lord. It's useless. These are the last days. It's going to be the end shortly. But God's promise entered into that circumstance, and there was a great turnaround. And that piece of land, by the way, the land that he did buy, he had the title deed, he buried it, he pulled it up, and he said, actually, that's my piece of land. And then there's a scripture that says, I think it's in Jeremiah 32, 44, that it actually says, I haven't got it there, but it actually says, and God restored his people to Jerusalem, and that they began to wheel and deal, and the economy got better, and it was all of a sudden that land became very, very expensive and prime land to do God's business. Don't you love that story? Because God declared it. Four things we can learn out of that, of Jeremiah's act to buy that piece of land. Uh, four things that I thought would be pertinent for us. One, Jeremiah knew the times in which he lived. If you got the PowerPoint, put those up. Uh, Jeremiah knew the times. Garth and Jamie knew the times in which he lived. Two, he understood the future from the promise of God. He was in the Bible. Jeremiah was in the Bible. He was in the Word of God, but he was in God and he knew what God was saying, and these promises were coming to pass as he was even living. Three, he saw a window of opportunity to bridge the present with the future. Three, he saw a window of opportunity to bridge the present with the future. So there's a future for that Jerusalem to be prospering, to doing well. There was a temple going to be built. Jeremiah couldn't see it. All he could see was the invading armies of Nebuchadnezzar. He says, what's the use investing in that? Let's retreat. Let's get out of here. No, I want you to invest in that plan. I want you to invest in that holy land. I want you to invest in Nairobi. I want you to invest in Tugra and do what God's called you to do because my promises are coming to bear. My promises, I have declared it and it shall come to pass. And that's exactly what we've done. That's exactly what Garth and Jamie are doing. That's exactly what we all need to do. For he obeyed God's will accordingly. It's fantastic. So it's the same, it's the same climate, the same climate that Jeremiah was in is the same climate that we're in now, wars, rumors of wars, culture wars. Just that first one, knowing the times. Jeremiah knew the times in which he lived. Mm, how did he know it? I have to go back to that scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.16. His mind was on God. And we, we, in, in this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, talks about the mind of Christ instructing us. If you were to read that scripture, I don't have it, but it talks about the mind, having the mind of Christ and being instructed through the mind of Christ of what to do, what decisions to do, what decisions to make, what direction to go, what to buy, what not to buy, what to invest in, what not to invest in, Amen. The other thing was thinking prophetically, godly vision. Proverbs uh, 29 verse 18 says prophetic vision. Without prophetic vision, not just any old vision, but prophetic vision, without that, we seemingly don't have the foresight. We don't have the extended vision of what God can do in our future. Again, in our future is prosperity, great hope. We need to see down the road 
of the mountain of the Lord's church arising all over the land, people coming en masse back to the church, worshiping God. We really got to believe in this, guys, and have this prophetic insight. Uh, stay alert is the other one. Stay alert to the culture around you. Be careful. Listen, guys, be careful of the culture around you, dumbing you down, dumbing your witness down, dumbing who you're down. Don't tell people you're a Christian. That's just something you do on the side. Don't tell them that you're totally, you know, you've got the God of the universe on the inside. If you don't do that, that'll freak them out. Don't tell them that you speak in tongues. Don't tell them that you carry a Bible everywhere you go. Don't tell these people because the culture that they live in, don't, they don't understand that and they could look at you oddly or weirdly. Don't do that act like them, act like they would, uh, talk like they would, hear like they would, be like they would. No, you stand up in opposition. This is a culture war we're in, man. This is Jesus' culture, and, and, and that's the world's culture, and we're sto- supposed to stand in stark contrast with it. Amen? We don't swear like them. We don't talk like them. We don't tell their jokes. We don't, we don't gossip about people. Oh, gee. The other, th- the other thing is keep our spirits alive and active so that we can discern properly. Revelations 3.14, and this is the Lord having a go at the Laodicea church that was getting slack and passive and spiritual lethargy. Uh, Revelations 3.14 to 20. But Revelations 3.15, let's just get that one. I know your deeds and that you're neither cold nor hot. He actually wishes we we're unsaved. When he says cold, I'd, r- I'd rather you just not be unsaved so we can start, really start and get you saved. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather you be hot, praising God, worshiping God, living the life, or I'd rather you be unsaved, not passive, not indifferent. Whoa, I wish you were either one or the other. Man. Okay, soul detox, let's nail this. I talked about um, materialism last week, and I feel... I've got to bring, because I, I believe one of the major threats to the church, to the body of Christ, is materialism. Garth would say it's individualism. He did a scale last night, and Australia, its scale, compared to the rest of the world even, our scale on individualism is up to 90%. Me, myself, I, I'll do it my way, me and myself unto me, Forget community, forget even church. It's me, myself, and I. The, the opposite of that, is, you said, was collectivism. Collectivism is now, hang on, we, they, our. And apparently, the Africans do that really well. So guys, with the investment into Nairobi, don't be surprised that if you'll be buying shares into like, when IBM shares were like about $10, each, and now they're about a thousand. Man, you would do well to buy shares in Nairobi Church Plant because I'm telling you, any dollar, any ten dollars, any twenty, any fifty, any hundred that you sow into that, we're going to look at the stock exchange, the spiritual stock exchange, and man, we're going to see that Nairobi, man, shares go up through the roof. And someone's going to say to you, "When did you get your shares?" Oh, I got my shares straight at the start. Oh man, I saw what was going to happen. It was a foregone conclusion. This, this lady pulled up in this stretch limo out the front. I was laboring at Glebe Point Road. And it was 1981. I was doing a job on the side from what I usually do. And I was building something. And I was out there with a wheelbarrow of concrete. And, and uh, this guy pulls up. He's the owner of this big mansion that we're renovating. 
and left the old lady in the car. The old lady calls me over and says, son, you know, what are you doing? I said, what do you think? I'm doing labor. And yeah, this is tough work. Yeah? She said, no, no, we've just been down the road buying shares. She could have said chairs to me. I didn't know what shares were. But we bought, we bought some shares. I said, what do you mean? Shares in computers. This is 1981. Shares in computers. Is that right? I said, yes, yeah, son. The, the, the computers are going to be all... This is a 75-year, 80-year-old lady telling me as a 21-year-old, computers are going to be all the go, son. You, you need to get off that wheelbarrow and get yourself some shares. Not shares. Shares in computers. Uh, I sort of rolled my eyes. I said, man, she's talking science fiction or something. I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, I watch Lost in Space and stuff like that. That's crazy stuff. And, uh, and, and so, man, there's, there's opportunities. Divine Kairos time to invest in Garth. I'm nearly done. Be careful of materialism. Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy. We need to navigate Christmas really well this year. It was a sad day when I sat in the NAB Bank head office with our business, our loan boss over our loan of our property, million dollar loan. He's given me the what's for of the ebbs and flows of our finances into our church. Tough meeting, man. I got my suit on, sweating. Uh, he's reading me the right act of our ebbs and flows. I'm trying to tell him how church works. It's faith. We believe people come, they give. It's, crazy. So you don't sell anything? No, we don't sell anything. It's, people come by faith, they give. And uh, he says, yeah, but look, I'm looking the last three, four, five years. Every time Christmas comes, your offerings go down. I said, yeah, I know. Well, people go on holidays. He said, no, hang on. Uh, but, but tell me, your, your prophet, uh, Jesus, because this is a Muslim talking to me now. And uh, he says, your, your, your prophet, Jesus, don't you value him? Don't you honor him? I'm only imagine." that the offerings would go up around Christmas. Up, he says to me. Oh, now my head's really going. I'm sweating like this. And uh, I said, look, it's just a phenomenon. People go on holidays. And I, you know, so, yeah, it's a sad thing, but yeah, it really is. I don't know what happened, but it's materialism. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. You can't serve two masters. You'll either hate the one or love the other. Devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Materialism is the killer of our spiritual life. We need to chill out and know that God, if He can look after a sparrow, the grass and the ground, He's going to look after us, guys. Don't sweat it. I remember, it, it, again, I think it was about early 80s, I was a young guy, and sort of lady just freaked right out. She did have a baby, I must say that, and she was freaked out about her boyfriend at the time that he wouldn't have enough money to buy food. And this woman had a complete meltdown and I'd never seen anyone have a meltdown, have a panic attack almost like that. But she was worried that she hadn't missed out on a meal yet, but she was worried she was going to miss out on a meal and not have enough money to be able to feed her kid. And I'd never, I'd never experienced that, that people panicking about not having enough. Isn't it beautiful to trust God, to believe in God? And now, God, you're going to work it. You're going to pay C3 Tugra's bills. You're going to pay Nairobi's bills. You're going to pay our bills. Every family here is, you know, doing it hard. And, amen. But God is God. He, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. I'm not taking, I'm not bowing my knee to the spirit of mammon. I'm not going to bow my knee to trusting in the, 
in the systems of the world. I bow my knee to God. I trust Him. My heart is in Him. My, and that's what the tithe is about. God has a plan for our finances. The first 10% goes to Him for the gospel, for the ministry. Once that's done, you've got an open heaven over your life. And anything that you give and offer to the Lord beyond that, there's a 30, 60, 100-fold blessing because of that. As you invest, you're getting bigger on the side. For God, you're getting, you know, you're getting passionate for God. You're, you're loving God. You, you can confidently come to the throne of, of, of grace and worship Him in spirit and truth. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father in heaven, Father in heaven right now, we will not bow our knee to materialism, not even through Christmas. Lord, we want the mind of Christ. We worship you. Jesus is better than materialism. For my God will meet all, all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's all close our eyes just for a moment as I read some scriptures for you. I want Philippians 3.8 to be my measuring stick for how I think about my possessions. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. This is Paul talking about all his accolades as being a very spiritual, spiritual leader, a very spiritual force to be reckoned with as a Pharisee. And he says, I count that all rubbish. I count everything that I have as rubbish. Another version says as garbage in order that I may gain Christ. It's amazing when you get your priorities right, how all of a sudden things are put in their right place. You shall not covet, the Bible says, if you hang tough with Jesus, if you're in the Holy Spirit, that's actually a promise to you. It's one of the, it's one of the 10 commandments, but actually it's a promise to you that says to you, you will not covet other people's things. You will not covet the things of the world if you hang tough with Jesus, if you hang passionate with Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs. My God will meet all C3 Nairobi's needs. And my God will meet C3 Tugra's needs. And my God will meet all the families of this church's needs. Every person, every man, every woman, God will meet our needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm of David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. I love this quote. Our possessions will ultimately serve us as we serve Christ or we will serve them instead of Christ, which describes you. The next time your heart is tempted to worship at the altar of materialism, remember that Jesus is better. Father in heaven, we come before you. We thank you for this month of soul detox. We detox ourselves of materialism, every idolatry the world tries to heap on us. We lay it right down right now with eyes closed. Lord, detox my heart. Every disposition I have of every of our unforgiveness and of, of bitterness. And Lord, anything that might be disturbing the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life, Lord, would you rid it? It goes right now. Forgive me, Lord. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.
Selfless faith to live like Christ for all our days. 